0: To 40 loving dickheads, dreaming about a premiership cup. We love our clubs, but they never win.
1: Two flags in 100 years. That shit, how stiff you think we'll be insightful, clever, or just we'll be We're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one car. It
0: is a Wednesday, August 19th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL-adjacent podcast.
1: My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, we made it. We made it through the Festival of Football. Thank God.
0: (laughs) You know what we did? We were like people who kept telling people we were going to come to the Festival of Football. And we were very fashionably late to the Festival of Football. But I believe that for the first time in, well, two weeks and 900 games of football, both of us probably sat down on the weekend on Sunday and watched our teams play football.
1: Yeah. I actually watched uh, quarters of games all over the place. I thought, come on, Charlie. Like, just because you got thrashed by the Cats, you don't give up on football. And I'm glad I did. It was a weird round. It was a a good round for people who like to see, like, um, uh, 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 movie Uh, villains uh, get their comeuppance with Collingwood and GWS having sad losses and for dramatic finishes uh, with Jack Nunes' goal after the siren. Did you see that?
0: I saw it and I also saw, I mean maybe I'm wrong and look, you know, Mm. I'm sure there are Carlton fans who can tell me that I'm wrong, but I I'm not sure that that was a free kick down the field in the first place. And then clearly he shouldn't have been taking that kick. There's no way that that was his kick, even if the free kick was a legitimate free kick. Like he has lived out every kid's fantasy of kicking a goal after the siren to win the game but he has stolen that dream from another kid. Another kid yeah. was having that dream and he's come in Freddy Krueger style and just <laughs> taken over the dream and goes, no, I'm the one who's kicking the goal. It's not your dream, mate. It wasn't.
1: It's a wonderful moment, but you didn't earn it. It's funny because the way the commentators uh, were talking about it after the game and even in some of the kind of press is this idea that this could be like the moment that consolidates the Carlton Football Club and propels them into the finals. And I'm like, but, but it was a complete accident and some, and, and some deception that went on. Like, that's not the galvanizing moment that gets you through the finals. Prior to that point, they could not kick a goal to save themselves. I'm, I uh, was following along with a lot of my Carlton mates on a WhatsApp group. And in that last quarter, it was some of the funniest banter I've seen going back and forth because Carlton could not kick a goal. There was one moment where Harry McKay has a shot from one side of the goals in the boundary line, completely misses it, gets past to Liam Jones on the other side of the goals on the boundary line. He tries to give to Eddie Betts, but has to. the ball goes back and then he kicks it and completely misses. And it's like, Carlton are going to, lose this game because they don't know how to kick a goal but not only they don't know how to kick a goal like they don't know
0: how to handle Liam Jones didn't handle it to <laughs> Eddie Betts. he just threw the ball to Eddie
1: Betts like Liam Jones forgot what was going on he was just like yeah you have it Eddie my favorite part of the goal uh watching it live was seeing the way like when Jack Nunes got the ball and that Really um, stubborn cameraman (laughs) who refused to move. It reminded me of that scene in, uh, I know it's a favourite film of yours, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Right. And you know when Anthony Lepalia, the cop, he tries to commandeer Charles Grodin's car and Charles Grodin just goes no, <laughs> and just will not will not be commandeered. That was that cameraman just was like no, nah, I'm not moving. I've got I got here first, mate. I'm gonna stay here and take some photos. Finders keepers, lose. He whispered to Jack News. Finders
0: keepers, losers weepers. Much like you taking this free kick, much like you found a ball that wasn't yours and you decided to claim ownership of it. That's what I'm gonna do. But I love that from the cameraman as well because if he misses, there's no shot anyway. Like as a cameraman. What are you holding your position for? Because the only thing you're holding your position for is the shot of him going in to kick the fucking goal. So without
1: him being able to come in and kick the goal, there is no shot for you to be getting a good shot of regardless. I think what it, the message it sends to Jack Nunes is you're not very intimidating. Because can you imagine the cameraman like reacting like that if it was Dusty? Or Barry Hall, like Barry Hall, Jonathan Brown. Jonathan Brown or Barry Hall ask you to move, you move 10 rows back. Yeah, Barry Hall is going to miss the grand final because he murdered a cameraman. He actually ripped the
0: head King Kong style off a cameraman and ate his camera before he kicked a goal. Did you see it? it wasn't <laughs> even his free kick. <laughs> I love Nunes though because Nunes, like, I mean, there is something that you've got to admire about somebody who wants that moment. But it was such yeah. a, like, it. It he just saw an opportunity and he fucking took it. That is like... Neil Armstrong standing on the steps of like the fucking spacecraft going down onto the moon, going pausing to say it's one small step for man and Buzz Aldrin just shoots by him and goes, I'm
1: first! (laughs) Fucking in your face, Neil Armstrong! He's got a flag. He go and plants it in front of him. Well, the one thing I'd say about Jack Nunes, having watched him for years at the Saints, there's one point in his career where I thought he was going to be like our next captain because he was just... He sort of uh, uh, started playing really early in his career and was really consistent and didn't miss many games and was just had all the tools that you want. He could kick, you know. He wasn't super fast, but he was smart with the football. And then I don't know, he just stagnated at St Kilda. But the one thing he could always do was kick. And so it's like it's like being the guy with the exact right skill for the exact right moment. (laughs) Like everything else might have gone to shit. And in that last quarter, he was making heaps of mistakes. Like I think he. He got done for holding the ball, and then he almost gave away fifty, and he was really having like an absolute mare. But then in that one moment, he's like. He also took. He also took a kick that he shouldn't have taken. <laughs> that wasn't his. He was really not paying much attention. In your junior football career, had you, did you ever have a moment where you were like had an opportunity to kick the winning goal? I remember by far and away the greatest
0: moment in my junior football career. It is like, there's not even one that comes close to it. We were playing a a semi-final, would have been probably under 15s. And we were playing a semi-final against like a team that was much higher rated than us. And I was rucking and I grabbed the ball in the middle and I kicked it from what would have been probably... I mean, I guess on a wet, cold morning, it felt like it was 70 or 80 metres, but it was probably fucking 60, 65 metres. But for a junior kid, like I just banged this ball on my boot and Tom Boyd in the 2016 (laughs) grand final style, it just like was much like Tom Boyd. The one lone highlight (laughs) from my entire fucking career, but it was such a good highlight and it just sailed. This thing, you've never seen a ball come off a boot like this thing came off the boot. Complete fluke, torpedo, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you just try to kick a torpedo and just once in every hundred times, it just perfectly flies through the air. And it happened this day and they wrote it up in the Hayfield News as this like brilliant captain's (laughs) goal, this inspirational captain's goal to win the game. And I was just like... Like, it was a
1: fluke. Yeah. It was such a fluke. You pulled a homer. <laughs> yeah, man, it was so good. I though. was, uh, in an AFL nine side a few years ago. And, uh, firstly, like AFL Nines is much more competitive than I thought it was going to be. Like I just was, we had a group of, um, friends from work. And so, you know, it's a, it's a mixed, you've got guys and girls on the team and the rules are a bit different. Like it's not exactly AFL, but it's sort of, it's a kick and mark game essentially. And, uh, Often because it's an after work thing, you know, we'd turn up with not enough numbers and we would sort of say to the sides like, well, hey, do you want to like give us two players and, you know, we'll play an even game. And the amount of teams that were like, fuck you, (laughs) like fuck you for not being more organized. We're going to be the best AFL 9s game this year, AFL 9s team this year. And there was one particular game I played in, which was so, there was so much kind of niggle. Like it was fucking crazy. Like a bunch of just like uh, nine to fivers by day just turned into competitive beasts, white line fever. And it was this real niggly game where I'd been playing in the midfield and this guy had been talking shit to me all night and I uh, had, you know, uh, had tackled me and like got a hold on the ball decision against me and was like yapping at me, yapping at me. Scores are tied, seconds to go. And I take a mark in the forward pocket. And I'm lining up and I haven't kicked a goal. I was always a defender as a junior. I have not had many shots for goal. I don't have a routine. I don't know where to aim the ball. You know, I have, I have nothing to bank it on. But I'm like, all right, I'm just going to give it a shot. Luckily for me, I'm a left footer. It was on the right side for a left footer. So a very Jack Noon style, actually, from a very similar position. I didn't, I didn't have to yell at a cameraman because there was no cameraman there. So I just yelled at an old lady who was walking her dog <laughs> just, to, just told her to get out of my fucking way so I could get the angle right. <laughs> Get out of my fucking way. I'm about to be a hero. Hey, old lady. She's like, I'm not even anywhere near you. Um, Get out. I said, get out of my fucking way, old lady. So I took this shot and it was like a beautiful dead straight. I hit it very sweetly, but you would say it was sailing towards the far post. And because it's AFL nine, they're not full length posts. They're you know probably six foot posts or something. And so it held straight. I think it was one that would definitely go to arc. Like, it, 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 from my spot, it looked like it could have gone through, but I, it could have passed over the top of the post. But the key to it, Will, is I celebrated like I'd kicked it. I celebrated, I ran to the middle, and the other team were disputing it. But because I'm an actor and the guys I was playing with were all, all actors, we managed to convince the umpire through our celebrations and our utter conviction that I had kicked a goal, that we won the game. <laughs> You were essentially, like, using your powers, your unfair
0: advantage of the power of acting. Yeah, exactly. As an advantage in the game. You're like, guys, we can't compete with these guys on a skill level. We can't compete with them on a physical level. But you know what we
1: have that they don't have? The power of acting. Well, the- And we need to employ this power of acting during this game. The AFL tried to ban staging in the AFL 9s and we said no. Yeah. For without the stage, we cannot win.
0: <laughs> Don't talk about the wings; you talk about stage left and stage right. You guys line up on stage
1: right. <laughs> Who do I speak to about my wardrobe? everyone hit their marks? <laughs> so, are you feeling a bit better about football uh, now that uh, the astronaut's back? N- now that we
0: uh, am I feeling a bit better about football? after our exhibition game against the fucking Washington <laughs> General. Generals. I mean, yes, absolutely. I'm feeling good about it because it's so good to just play in a game where your players get to do whatever the fuck they want to do and the opposition just are there to make it interesting. Like, it, like who knows? Adelaide are not a very good team. The Bulldogs were awesome. It was such a fun game to watch. Like, Pelly was, like, amazing. Norton was fantastic. Like... All all three Baileys. I've realised that the Western Bulldogs are much like my mother at a party back in the 80s. Three Baileys. That's perfect with three Baileys. (laughs)
1: It lights up with three Baileys. Two's not quite enough. Four is too many. I didn't see the game, um, but I understand. So Josh Bruce, was he rested or dropped for Aaron Norton? Yep, one of those. Right. Who knows? Rested. Rested, I think. He was rested, but he's been in bad form. So, like... Mm. You know, I think the bit of both. Well, I'm confused about when – what was your understanding of why they brought him in? I thought his job was to be a foil, to be like, you know, uh, the second target, let, let Aaron Norton sort of be the key guy up forward. Is that – I think that is what he was brought in for. And I think ideally that is still what they would try to do
0: with right. the forward line. I think Norton's still going to be – against the better teams – Like, when he's not getting that sort of service and that sort of room to just run in and fly, you need another person bursting through the pack and doing the heavy body work. But Norton was... It was really, like, you know... When he's that good, he looks really unstoppable. He has that... The King boys are a little bit like it though as well. They just seem to know where to float in from or you know, where to perfectly time themselves to take a mark. And mm. Norton's like that as well. But he's got a bit of aggro too. He's got that like really old fashioned like, Country you boy. know, mullet with the shaved sides. And he like there was a bit of, you know, Talia who the Bulldogs fucking hate and like, you know, was giving him a bit of niggle and he was giving him a bit back. It was really
1: so fun. To watch, like it was ridiculously fun to watch. I think you need those kind of kills to get your confidence back up. Like it's it's just it plays you into form. I think because who have you got this week? You got the demons, right? And the demons, Melbourne, have, and the demons have had like are in good form. Well, they've had three weeks of uh, tune up games because they had Adelaide, then they had was it North, and they only just beat both those teams. Collingwood was the one where it felt like they would established themselves, but Collingwood also have a shit ton of problems this year. So I don't know how much stock. I'm not saying that they're downhill skiers, Will. But I'm just saying it'll be an interesting game this weekend because you guys both have something to prove now. But but who fucking knows? Because like five weeks ago, I
0: told you Collingwood were going to win the premiership. Mm. Like, I mean, this season is so topsy-turvy. And because it is a shortened season and there's only, what, five games to go or something like that or six games to go, there's just not that many games to make a difference now so every game suddenly has all of this importance on it because if you drop a couple like the Bulldogs really can't afford to lose many on the entire run home if they want to make the
1: finals and so every game just has like super importance now so do you rule Port out now because they've just lost to too many of the top teams no nah no I don't rule anyone out at this stage but Port
0: they'll, they'll probably still finish on top of the ladder they've got a really easy run home they'll
1: probably still finish on top of the ladder. You finish on top of the ladder, you've got to be a chance. I just feel like it's a West Coast Geelong Grand Final at the moment. Even Richmond like yeah, at the at the Gabba. Yeah. West Coast played Geelong at the Gabba. <laughs> <laughs> I think if West Coast have to go back to Queensland, you'll see a very different attitude. I think they would just kind of they they would just trying to catch up. I think they'll they Like They're like the inverse of Geelong. Geelong have got that amazing defense and then they sort of just isolate Tom Hawkins' one out. But then it's uh, like West Coast have this amazing attack where it's like Liam Ryan is ridiculous. Like he's so much fun to watch. Just like, how does a, he's not that big, but he just has such great hang time.
0: He just has that real sense of, and this is what the West Coast appeal is to me. There's a little bit of country football about them. Yes. Like, you know, Josh Kennedy looks a bit like an old fashioned country footballer full forward. You know, Liam Ryan is one of those sort of enigmatic country players yeah. who like, you know, just like goes for hangers all yeah. the
1: time and kicks spectacular goals. He's the guy that you that you, you want in your side, but only if you have the Josh Kennedy, because Josh Kennedy is like your workhorse. He's like, your, he's like your, your Clydesdale. He's going to get the job done. And then little Liam Ryan just fucking bounces It's like he's made of rubber. Like I've just, I, watched, I got so excited watching his highlights from that game. I then went back and just went to YouTube and typed in Liam Ryan. It's like, he does this quite regularly. I haven't been paying attention. Mate, his name is fucking Flying Liam Ryan. How did you not know that he was a man who oh, was, like, it's there. I miss I her. You- I thought it was frying lamb Ryan because he loves fried eggs. Oh, right. <laughs> that's what he eats, a big plate of fried eggs before a game. Frying lamb Ryan. No, I, I actually, I, sorry, that's not true. I thought he was depressed. I thought it was sighing Liam Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i going to play football uh, today. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, Liam Ryan. <laughs> Gotta go, 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 go to Queensland. <laughs> oh no. Cyan Liam Ryan. So if um, Bulldogs don't make it, what's your what's your dream grand final? In an ordinary season you'd always be like, you know, like Collingwood and, and uh, Richmond, so you had have that big crowd. But in a compromise season in almost a neutral ground it comes down to more about what teams you want to see play. So, who excites you the most? What what clash do you want to see? Um, okay, the teams
0: that excite me the most, and then I'll decide what the clash is out of those teams. I reckon. So, I'm not sure I say I'm excited about Richmond, but Richmond had probably just deserved to be
1: in the conversation. Um, well, more with excited, and you can attach more of a, a narrative to it. It's kind of got like. You know, they're going for their third premiership. They're the kind of battle-hardened guys. Maybe they're not not, not the most exciting, but there's, there's a lot of history if they can make this happen.
0: Yeah, you can find a compelling reason to enjoy it, but i got to be honest with you, it wouldn't be my ideal match. I don't need to see Richmond in the grand final again. Um, I like Port Adelaide. I like West Coast. I like Geelong. And I like, I still like Brisbane, even though Brisbane are obviously going through a bit of a rough Can't patch kick. at the moment, but I still like Brisbane and I like the Saints. Mm. I mean, maybe a Geelong St. Kilda or a West Coast St. Kilda or,
1: or a West Coast Geelong grand final. I'd be happy so with port? any of those. I thought you would want, I thought Port would have been one of your locks.
0: Well, no, no, I
1: think, I mean, I'd be
0: happy with it. I'd be happy what, with Port in the grand final, but I think that I'd prefer to see Geelong or
1: West Coast or the Saints. You think? I'm thinking matchups like Geelong versus West Coast seems to have the most intriguing yeah. matchups because who goes to Tom Hawkins at West Coast? Uh, Br- Shannon Brad Shepherd. I don't know that anyone can stop Tom Hawkins at the moment. I can't think of Alex. You'd say Alex Rance ordinarily, but I can't think of one full-back in any of the top six teams. So you're like, oh yeah, that's a natural matchup not without some help but it's also like you know all those teams have like so Port Adelaide obviously have a big full forward West Coast have a big full forward Mm. um this but Tom Hawkins is in rare kind of form right now like yeah JJK is a dependable forward but he's terrorizing teams at the moment like I saw what he did to St Kilda and you know he was he's pretty impressive like I think what did they say something like he had uh, six six one-on-one marks or seven one-on-one marks in a, in, a, in a compressed game it's like yeah you just get him one out and who's going to beat him he's got that big tiny locket kind of like bar that he just sticks out he he's Can't definitely
0: one of those people who again a guy who loves his fishing i think and uh loves his country <laughs> lifestyle he's got a farm another farmer another ben cunnington type yeah. um but he's really, like, he came onto the scene with such huge expectations and then I think lived under the shadow of those expectations for a while. He'd become a very good footballer, but I still think people were giving him a hard time because he'd come in with such great expectations. And now we're actually seeing mm. that player that they always thought he was going to be. I mean, he's by the end of his career, his career, like, he'll have, you know, two or three All-Australians. You'll have, like, a whole bunch of leading goal kickers. You'll have, like, you know, premiership, whatever. Like, two he's... Flags.
1: Oh, one flag. He's you know. Oh no, two flags. Two thousand and nine and two thousand.
0: He's uh, he's got, you know, he's got a you know a great career, maybe a hall of fame career.
1: I can't think of another player who's been more routinely written off than Tom Hawkins. Like it, he seems to go through like slow patches and stuff. And it was about three years ago people were talking about maybe the Cats should trade him, but there's no one else like him. Like the, he's talking about country footballers. Like he's an old school. Park him in the goal square, country footballer. Doesn't do a lot of pressure acts or chasing, but doesn't matter. No, but he looks fit this season. Like, I think that, you know, he's. You've, he's got one of those bodies. You've muted yourself somehow. Yeah,
0: he's like. Well, sorry, I've muted myself. Oh, well, you've on. muted oh, yourself. Hang on. I've muted myself. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, there you go. I can hear you now. <laughs> <laughs> he's
1: He looks fit. Like, that's what, you know, he yeah. just looks incredibly fit this our mate um, Disco, who does not follow football at all, um, saw a picture of Tom Hawkins and was like infatuated with him. And it's like, he looks like, what do you say? He looks like a fashion model. But if a fashion model was in the 1930s, <laughs> like he has that kind of dapper old school quality bit with like a Calvin Klein face. Uh-
0: there's an article on uh, from September the 1st, 2018 on the Athletes of Voice, which is a website that, you know, athletes can contribute to, you know, write about issues they feel passionate about. And Tom Hawkins has written an article for the Athletes Voice. So, um, Charlie, if Tom... What year, sorry? Uh, so, uh, 2018. If Tom Hawkins, okay. in what you know about Tom Hawkins, if he was going to write a piece for... You know the athlete's voice, where people will go on to write about you know their battles with depression or coming back from a major injury, mm. in, you know, or maybe like Black Lives Matter or some issue that they're interested in. Yeah. What is Tom Hawkins written for? Uh, written about on the athlete's voice? Is it is it uh, is
1: it sport related?
0: No, no, no. I'm talking. It's a social issue. It's it's about some group okay, of people in our issue. society that he wants to speak up for. Right. Um,
1: indigenous affairs. I mean that's a good guess, but um, think a little closer to home. Um, Darren Lyons charity fund. <laughs> the headline is "fighting
0: for the farm" by Tom uh, Hawkins contributor that was right in front of me. <laughs> I'll I'll read you a little of what Tom had to say. Country people, right. are never ones to complain. You often hear about farmers always wanting more rain. But that doesn't mean they're complaining. It's just the way it is on the land. Well, just because they complain all the time doesn't mean they're not complaining. That's... <laughs> I grew up on a farm just out of Finlay in the New South Wales Riviera, Riverina, about 20 kilometres north of the Murray River. They've had less than a third of their usual rainfall so far this year. My dad, Jack, who played 182 games for Geelong, still runs the farm. I haven't been up to Finley for a bit because my football season commitment's with the Cats, but I know through conversations with him and with family members and cousins that are still up there farming, it's starting to become quite tough. Um, uh, The thing about drought is you never really know when it's going to end. The period through the 2000s when I was younger and living at home, we had eight years when we were technically in drought. It was pretty tough going year after year. Being younger, I can't remember the finer details, but enough to know dams were empty and crops were struggling year after year. Throughout this period, my parents showed an amazing amount of strength and optimism considering what was happening on the farm. That's why, as the drought of 2018 started to hit a heart, I knew I had to do something, no matter how small. And so basically what he did... ask?
1: Yeah, go on. Was that thing with, did he just kick a football into the sky so hard that it caused the clouds to rip? Yeah, that, that's that's exactly what he did. He, <laughs> he pledged to go from
0: town to town and in every country town, kick a football as high into the sky as he could to try to burst the clouds. So, a good ride. And that's why today on the Athlete's Voice, I announced my plan to get a whole bunch of Sharon's and an old ute and drive from town to country town and kick footies in the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, one of our farmer friends, a country man, a hero of this podcast, Ben Cunnington. Mm-hmm. Out for the entire season,
1: Charlie. No more Cunnington in the AFL this season. That's, uh, that's hard. That's hard for everyone who listens to this show, who loves their cunt fiction. Although maybe it gives Ben some time to catch up on some podcasts. He's not going to be playing football. I imagine he'll be in rehab for a while. Maybe he uh, maybe starts listening to some... I mean, do you think he even knows what a podcast is? Absolutely not. He would not know what a podcast is.
0: And here's what I would say. Let's not try to get Ben Cunnington involved in this because I don't want to be punched in the guts by a stranger <laughs> at my door. But it might be a new direction for the fan fiction to go in because we have this new storyline now about the right. fact that he's in rehab. He's so it suddenly yeah. opens up all these other areas of fiction, like hospital dramas and the, you know, the pain the the recovery, you know, period and what, what Ben Cunnington might be getting up to when he's not playing football. I think this is actually while it might be a terrible opportunity for Ben Cunnington's football career, for his fan
1: fiction career, this might be a golden period. Let me just throw this suggestion out and feel free, audience, to run with it or not. But Ben Cunnington in rehab as a rear window style paranoid thriller. Ben Cunnington laid up in his home, in his, in his cabin in the woods. He sees something out his window that he's not sure if it happened or not and has to go investigate and uh, I'll let you take it from there. Maybe he sees a handsome Western Australian flying his chopper, <laughs> appearing to be dumping bodies in the woods at the back of... I'm writing this already. <laughs> Forget it. This is my cunt. How about... I, I want to take on... Um, uh,
0: what's the, the, the Dr. Clown movie with Robin Williams? Um,
1: Patch... Mr. Pat, Patch Adams.
0: Patch Adams. So I want a Patch Adams style thing where Ben Cunnington's in rehab and Nat Fife dresses like a clown to try to (laughs) keep his spirits up.
1: (laughs) Um, Can I ask, uh, with GWS and their uh, shocking loss to Sydney and the disarray they seem to be in this year, uh, we sort of floated the idea last year when they're on their way to the grand final that it's kind of like all or nothing for GWS uh, because if the wheels fall off, where do they go? Do they have they established enough of a, if they'd won a premiership, and then the wheels fell off? You think that maybe they'd have some like still have some finger holds, but if if this downward spiral continues and they don't make the finals and they have another bad year next year, how quickly do you think the drop off will be? Have they done enough to win the hearts and minds? No, but I think they've got enough talent that they shouldn't be out of the
0: finals for long. I just feel like. You know, maybe it is a bit about changing over some of the players and bringing in some different players, and but they've got people to bargain with. Like, despite the fact that they're not playing as a great team at the moment, there'd still be so many members of that team that would be attractive to other teams. Going well, if we could get that person out of GWS, you know, they would be good for us. So I think that I
1: still think they've got a lot of money. You know, they they might be losing at the moment, but they've got a lot a lot of money in their pot. Well, they've got money in the pot, and they've got. Great assets. They can shift some assets. Mm -hmm. They can sell some shares, and get in some draft picks or some you know recruit specifically for for holes in their list. What about Leon Cameron? Now I brought this up five weeks ago, and and you dismissed it. How dare I talk about sacking Leon Cameron? But the jungle drums are starting to beat. I don't necessarily think. I was just joking. I don't think he should be sacked, but I could see it happening if they have like a. Just so they don't win another game, I think there'd be at least a board meeting to discuss whether or not he goes on next year.
0: We'd say, Leon, there's a big, big sound and it's jungle drums,
1: my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the sound is. The jungle drums are beating in your direction. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of harsh, isn't it? Because Bevo yes. wins a flag and then they don't make the finals the next year, but they were like, okay, well, that's fine. You know, you lost some players and it wasn't a great season, but we're going to back you. But people are talking that Leon Cameron makes a grand final has a similarly disappointing second season. It's like, fuck you, you're out of here. I don't think that
0: there's any value in getting rid of Leon Cameron. I think Leon Cameron's a good coach and yes, they're having a, a not particularly great year, but they were the second best team in the competition last year and this is a weird season and there's going to be plenty of good teams that don't you know, figure you know, prom- prominently in the finals because of the nature of it. Like GWS could still... like That's the thing. They're not out of it yet. You
1: know, we still don't know what the rest of the season has for them, but they were terrible on the weekend, clearly. Okay, just say you're the president of uh, GWS. You get a call from yep. Ross Lyon who says, if you terminate Leon's contract, I will coach for like $100,000 a year, three year contract, and I'll get your year premiership. I'm, I'm the perfect guy to take a well built list and get into a grand. I'll at least get you to multiple grand finals. That's my specialty. I did it at the Saints, I did it at Frio. I've only been out for one year. You don't even have to pay me that much. You can pay. We can have, like, trigger clauses all you want, but just got to sack Leon Cameron and pay him out. Do you do it? Leon who? <laughs> <laughs> I reckon you'd take Ross Lyon. Like, if there was... Yeah, somebody... that's...
0: I, up until now, I wasn't convinced, but I've got to be honest, if Ross Lyon was on the table, there'd have to be a little bit of you that had to think about it. There'd have yeah. to be some of you that just went... This is what he's good at. He's good at taking a team of like, you know, we've got all the stars. Maybe they need someone who's a bit more mature, who's seen a bit more of life, who can take all these stars and put them together and make them
1: into a winning team. You, You could actually think Ross Lyon could do that, yes. I mean, what Ross Lyon is good at is getting teams to grand finals that they don't win. I mean, that's another way of looking at it.
0: Yeah, and Leon Cameron's like, well, I've already done that. I've proven I've I can do that. that as well. <laughs> Why are you going to get another guy
1: when I am perfectly qualified to take us to a grand final that we don't win? <laughs> I wonder I wonder how long um, Ross Lyons... How, how long do you think he can have out of the game before he, he's just not an option? Like, he's a viable option now, maybe next year, but you think three years, if he doesn't pick up another job, you rule him out? A bit like Rocket Eid? I would say
0: that he could only ever come back then in some sort of Rusey style role after that. Right. So... He could sit out next year as well, but maybe get a job at the end of next year because I don't think too many coaches will get sacked this year. I think this would be a really unfair year for you to sack your coach. It's such an unusual circumstance. There's so many Mm -hmm. factors. Like you look at Collingwood, like I'm not making excuses for Collingwood, but Collingwood have had so many injuries and then they Mm. had to play all those games and all those games in very short turnarounds. Like they were, Mm. yeah, they got a, for once Collingwood got a bad draw, yeah, bad you draw. know, <laughs> and, and you can't, it's hard to blame the coaches too much for what's going on. I just don't think you could sack someone at the end of this season. I think that every coach has to keep their job at the end of this season, apart from Woosher who's already going.
1: There was an interesting discussion on um, one of the Fox footy podcasts about uh, succession plans with coaching. They were talking about Essendon with uh, Rutten and Wosher And one of the guys, I think it was Tom Morris was saying, it's just a confusing situation. Like either Ben Rutten's ready to coach or he's not. Like you know, he should be the one fronting the media. Just give him the reins. And then they were sort of saying that succession plans don't really work. And they cited like Mick Malthouse and Nathan Buckley. But then it has worked with John Longmire and Paul Ruse. And it could be argued that it sort of worked with Paul Ruse and Simon Goodwin, at least in the first year. And you know, maybe the the demons will be playing finals again. I don't. I'm not necessarily of the belief that it's a bad idea to have a mentor, to get a Ross Lyon in to help, you know, Matthew Nix steer the ship. I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I think like, you know,
0: there might be a chance that, um, you you know, Chris Fagan, Dennis Pagan doesn't even know he's the coach. He might think he's the mentor.
1: (laughs) It's like, well, the coach is never fucking here. Like I'm here. I'm not. I'm just the mentor. <laughs> Did you see uh, Chris Fagan, Dennis Pagan's uh, halftime rant? Old school talking. I mean, it's a real country footballer discussion now. Old school football club uh, halftime rant is great. I've never seen that side to Chris Fagan. I've seen him baffled and excited, confused, but I've never seen him angry. And you know what? It's adorable.
0: It's like when you see your dad, his thumb in the shed, like with a hammer, and you're like, oh my God, I've never seen this side of you before. Like, it was compelling. Like, I'm sure if you were some of those young men, you would have just gone home going, we made dad so mad
1: at Christmas lunch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He just started yelling.
1: Yeah, it had (laughs) that He's, he seemed genuinely, genuinely upset. And it's like, he seems such an affable guy. Like, I wonder... Like, you know how at training, when, you're a kid, when you used to play junior football, there'd always be one kid who wasn't listening when the instructions for the, for the drill were getting read out and the coach would, like, kick a footy at him or something <laughs> like that. To like, hey, you know, listen. Like, I started thinking, is that Charlie Cameron? Like, I could see Charlie Cameron at training just, like, j- jabbering away, doing his, like, Harley Davidson move to his friends and Chris Fagan having to drill a football into his back. Hey, listen, Charlie. <laughs>
0: yeah it was there's something really compelling about seeing an older person get really mad too like i know we play into the idea that he's old but there is something about once you get over about the age of 50 if you just get uncontrollably (laughs) mad in public you're like you're too old to
1: be this mad like why are you this mad it was i mean it was the equivalent of um uh a rocket getting that (laughs) head massage in that Gold Coast game because he was so angry. Like, he needed someone to rub his temples. And It's like, that's when you know you shouldn't be coaching. I'm not sure it's safe for you to 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 be this angry
0: at this age. Like, I just feel like your doctor would not recommend the levels of anger that you're currently displaying. Like, when you see someone that mad, all you want to ask is, what else? What is this really about? That's what I would have said if I was in that (laughs) huddle with Chris Bacon. I would have been like, Chris... What's this really about?
1: What's (laughs) what's making you lash out right now? Uh, Do you want to get to some conf fiction? Yeah, Yeah.
0: I do. But just before we do, we did talk about the enigma that is Mitch Robinson last week uh, in relation to the Brisbane Lions, and he's had a very enigmatic week because, of course, a week ago he was out there saying, "Please don't bully people online," and then uh, this week he called Tom Lynch a wanker. So it's been (laughs) a (laughs) real—he's just a real enigma. Mitchie Robinson, isn't he? And apparently cuts the hair of many of his teammates.
1: Uh, so apparently oh, it is okay. Mitch
0: Robinson who does a lot of the hair cutting at the
1: Brisbane Lions. Um, would you trust Mitch Robinson to cut your hair? <laughs> Depends which Mitch Robinson you got.
0: <laughs> like Mitch Robinson from last week saying, don't bully online. Absolutely. Have a crack. <laughs> this is Chris. <laughs> Mitch Robinson from this week,
1: Tom Lynch is a real fucking knob. Then I don't know. Now I didn't really see the Tom Lynch incident. Uh, I saw the little one where he f- like he fakes the punch. Is that all that happened, or was there other stuff in that uh, game?
0: Too? so you haven't seen the? Okay, uh, I'll I'll just Google it exactly so I can read it to you. But um, uh, this has been the big debating point around the league today, with a lot of people saying it's you know going to cost Brisbane the premiership and uh, all these sort of things because it'll be used as ammunition in the finals. So. Um, uh here we go um uh so he was on Twitch so this is already great the fact that these things happened on Twitch so Mitch Robinson is on Twitch and um replying to a comment from a streamer that said it said that Lynch is the greatest of all time Robinson said is he do you know him do you fuckhead <laughs> Responding to other comments, Robinson added, he went to a good team to get success. That's what he did. He went to a premiership team and he thinks he's that good. So, (laughs) then, Mitch Robinson wrote that. Yes, but there was
1: another bit about, um, hang on, I've got to find the... Um, oh, because I saw that quote and I thought that was Robbo, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." That no, like something Robbo would say. It's Mitch Robinson, and he like, um, right, Robbo. Now, yeah. now I see why, I'm, why I was confused. Oh, Robinson, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay,
0: no, I can't. I can't find it. But uh, uh, basically, he just said he, he he thought he was a bit of a wanker. <laughs> so <laughs> it's.
1: Uh, he is an interesting cat, Mitch Robinson. If you'd like to get in touch with Two Guys, One Cup, you can do that by going to our website, tofop.com, tofo com. If you just scroll to the bottom of the opening page, uh, you can see a little contact form. Drag that down. Uh, select Two Guys, One Cup and send us a message. Uh, this is from Lockie. Uh, subject line is Freaky fr- f- Freaky Fife Day, a Two Guys, One Cup Conf story. Well, it was a warm summer day in early 2020, back when fishing was allowed. Ben and Nat were on their annual fishing trip, just the two of them, fishing and chatting away. Nat enjoyed the time away from it all—the parties, the helicopters, all the heavy metals that had been weighing him down. Suddenly, Ben's rod bends. Ben's rod bends with a large tug. He battles away and reels in a huge, shiny, colourful fish. "It can't be," says Ben. "What is it?" replies Nat. "It's a wish fish, the most elusive fish in all the waters." They say if you whisper a wish into its mouth and release it, your wish will come true, Ben says. (laughs) Here, I want you to have it. I've caught one before. It's how I really got my hair back. Ben hands the fish to Nat. All the talk about Ben's peaceful off-season, not having to worry about phone calls or following a strict vegan keto diet, had gotten Nat thinking. I wish I could swap bodies with the person on this boat, Nat whispered into the fish of the mouth before letting it go. The next day, Nat awoke. He quickly realized he wasn't in his five-meter-wide velvet sex bed that he usually wake up in. It worked, he thought to himself. He leapt from his bed and ran to the mirror. But something was wrong. He wasn't in the body of Ben Cunnington. In fact, Nat had no idea who he was looking at, at all. Nat scrambled around the bedroom and found a wallet. He pulled out a driver's license to see what identity he had resumed. Sean Attlee. Who the fuck is Sean Attlee, he thought to himself but then he remembered and recognised the man in the photo it was the other guy on the fishing trip the one Nat paid no attention to and had completely forgotten about until now on the other side of the country Sean awoke the bedsheets were softer than usual the air warmer there was a naked lady lying next to him one blonder and more gorgeous than he'd ever seen before what the fuck is going on he thought to himself he crawled three metres to get out of the bed and stood up to realise he was taller than he remembered and his penis was much larger too he looked in the mirror (laughs) Oh my god. Sean called his mobile and was shocked to hear his own voice answer. Nat in the body of Sean confessed to him that he'd wished what he'd wished for on the boat. They both decided that the only way out of the situation was to live out the next week in each other's bodies. I was planning to write out all the hijinks they get into over the course of the week, but I'm sure you don't have time to go on to read it on the pod. The basic gist of it <laughs> <this> is <laughs> what a disappointing conclusion. <laughs> It's like Raiders of the Lost Ark. His indie gets the arc. It's like, and then some stuff happens and ghosts fly out the end. <laughs> the basic gist is that Sean realizes that the high life of parties and women, as well as the constant professionalism and pressure Nat lives with, just isn't worth it. While Nat learns a valuable lesson about what it's like to have no one know who he is and vows to remember all of his teammates' names. Thanks, big fan, Lockie. I mean, I liked it, Lockie. It fell away a little at the end, felt a little rushed (laughs) at the end. Felt like the
0: final season of Game of Thrones at the end. Yada, yada, yada. Then someone sits on the throne.
1: The dragon burns it. The end. (laughs) Uh, This is from Bob. Hey, Will and Charlie. Due to the current COVID pandemic, my wife is working from home. Not a day has gone by where she hasn't mentioned that her living situation would be significantly improved if we had a dog. It got me thinking, wouldn't everything in life be better if there were more dogs? Should the AFL move ahead and rename all teams with dog nicknames? Obviously we've got the Western Bulldog we've only got the Western Bulldogs with an appropriate name. And consider this. Should football teams go with the most obvious dog breed linked to their name? So Hawthorne is a husky. Gold Coast or Golden Retrievers or Golden Boys, for example, or match the dog's character to the club's supporters. I'm keen to hear what you guys think. <laughs> don't hold your breath, mate. I don't have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, please, keep do- keep, please keep doing all your podcasts. It's keeping me sane in these crazy times. All right, Well, <laughs> i let you take over from there. Dogs and teams.
0: Um, okay, so Collingwood would be uh, like a Rottweiler. Yep. Um... Uh... Gold Coast would be like a a miniature, a handbag miniature poodle or some sort of like, (laughs) you know, do you know what I mean? Like some sort of a handbag dog. You don't Um, want to go with
1: the golden retrievers for Gold Coast, like he suggested?
0: No, I don't want to. No, making my own decisions. That's what he asked
1: for. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Sydney Swans would be uh, Sydney, I'm going to say, French Bulldogs. So we'd have the Western Bulldogs and then we'd have the French Bulldogs out of Sydney. Um, uh, I reckon Port Adelaide would be like a... Mongrel. Port Adelaide's a mongrel, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, definitely the Port Adelaide mongrels. (laughs) I think that works. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> the Port Adelaide's three legged mongrels. <laughs> Melbourne would be like, uh, have you said poodle? You already said poodle? Melbourne are like poodles.
0: Yeah, but Melbourne, no, Melbourne would be a
1: corgi. Uh, North. Yeah. Like the Queen. So Mel- Melbourne are the corgi. North Melbourne are like a junkyard dog. Real scrappers. What a shinbono spirit. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Like Dean Ladley, if he was a dog, basically. That's
1: what North Melbourne would be. Um, who would Saint the Saints be? Um, a beaten dog, a rescue dog, a dog that like flinches <laughs> has been to in the last <laughs> 20 years, has been to four loving homes and been traumatized in each one. <laughs> it's just starting to get its confidence the back. Sink, the, sink, the St. Kilda rescues. <laughs>
0: uh, um, Geelong's your sort of your cattle dog, your you know, your working dog, your regional dog. Yep. I would say Geelong. Um, what are your bombers, your bombers? Uh, who, Fremantle. Oh, Fremantle. Um, oh, Essendon. Yeah, what's your Essendon dog going to be?
1: What would an Essendon dog be? One that's um, been experimented on, jabbed, uh, jabbed full of needles. <laughs> say, uh, oh, okay, so there'd
0: be some weird, weird crossbreed. Yeah, right. Some sort of like, you know. Genetic mutation. Some sort of mutant dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: uh, Adelaide. Um, what's Adelaide now? Like... Uh, a dog that's been in, in a cult. <laughs> was like the, the cults have dogs and there's like a cult specific dogs.
0: Um, yeah. Not sure what Adelaide would be if they were a dog, but I think we've done pretty well. Okay. I don't think we have to do every time. I right. think we've done more than,
1: more than well enough on that. <laughs> uh, it's time for pocket profile pocket. Everyone's favorite segment. Great. This was sent in by a listener. Uh, it's a profile Of a Sydney Swans player, who I'm sure you're going to know. Well, do you know what I enjoyed about this
0: week when that Sydney Swans player had his girlfriend sneak into the quarantine and nearly brought down the
1: entire competition? I was just like, oh, there's another Sydney Swans player I've never heard of. Um, So this uh, Sydney Swans player, he shares a surname with a beloved Geelong footballer who was part of that awesome run from Uh, 2007 to 2011. uh, Okay, so Cameron
0: Ling... um, so, uh, yep. I,
1: Ling, is there a Ling who plays for Sydney? Yep. <laughs> I knew this would throw you. That's why I I gave is such a gimme with a surname. All you have to guess is his Christian name. Um, Gavin. It is a sh- Gavin Ling. It's a... Sh- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Matt. Matt Ling. Matt Ling. Okay. Um, uh, Matt Ling is a gun. You might say he's a matling gun. boo. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, boo. <laughs> <laughs> which senior player first took you under their wing? He's retired now. This Swan. Um, I think he was a captain at one stage. Um, which could be one of hundred Swans players because of the rotational policy. No, don't know who. Jared McVeigh. Okay, all right. Brother of Mark McVeigh. McVeigh. It's Mark, right? Yeah, for the Bombers. That's right. Yep. Do you, Do you have any pregame rituals? Uh, no, not superstitious. Growing up, who is your oh, so that's a yes, sorry. <laughs> I gave you a thumbs up, but for people listening, we'll got that answer correct. <laughs> growing up, who is your favorite uh, favourite player? Uh, and again a Geelong player. Um, uh, and growing uh, in, indigenous? Indigenous player? Uh, Travis Barco. I think he's indigenous. Shannon Burns. Was he oh, indigenous? Okay. Yeah. I think he was. Ford Pocket, right? Does your jumper have any significance? No. Oh, number jumper number. <laughs> I don't know what his jumper number is, uh, and does. I'm going to say no. It does. It's the number no. he wore in junior footy. <laughs> okay. Teammate most likely to coach. Um, Nick Blakey. Luke Parker. Teammate most likely to be club president or CEO. Um, Never heard of this guy. Nick but Blakey. He sounds Irish. <laughs> Colin O'Reardon. Do you know who Colin O'Reardon is? <laughs> No, he plays He's for the to... Sydney Swans. I have no idea who he is. Uh, your funniest teammate, and you'll know this guy. Uh, Aaliyah Aaliyah. Bang. Who oh, has really? Be- who has the best haircut in the game's history? Aaliyah Aaliyah. Lewis Melican. Mm. Do you know who that is? Because <laughs> I don't. Lewis, oh yeah, Googling the Pelican. Lewis, the Pelican, Melican. Lewis Melican. Um, oh, he plays for the Swans. Sp- <laughs> That's right. Of course uh yeah sure okay yeah he's the pelican that's his nickname well done did you know that no just, just made that, that up yeah. did not know that that was actually his nickname but i'm taking a point a unique person you follow on twitter or anster oh, anster <laughs> a unique person you follow instagram. On or instagram
0: or instagram in amsterdam when you're in amsterdam uh, did
1: you follow anybody um it's a, it's, what area it's a, twitter, it's a twitter account and it's not necessarily a personality it's more of a like a comedy Twitter oh, account, like kids getting hurt. Thoughts of dog. Okay, what are three things left on your bucket list? He names three countries. Well, sorry, he names two continents and a country. Europe. Yep. South America. Bingo. Oh,
0: okay, and a and,
1: and a country. Um, and think um, and just think. Go to the other side of the world now. Um, or, and uh, no, I don't know. A cricket loving nation. Uh, Eng- uh, England. Uh, the West Indies. India. <laughs> three parts of the cherry. Wrong. Uh, does he have a dog? Yes. And what's its name? Um, Nick Blakey. A very uh, uh, a prominent, a prominent Channel 7 commentator shares this first name. Uh, Dennis. No. Recent addition to the commentary team. James. But it has strong connections to the AFL. Oh, um oh it has strong connections to the AFL.
0: Um Yeah. Uh well not Gil, because that's like it's not um Yeah, but who's Gil's brother? Hamish. His dog's name is Hamish? Yes, Hamish. Okay.
1: Yes. Right. <laughs> he said why why is that hard to believe? Know, it just doesn't seem like a dog's name, Hamish. You know, what I mean? to me, like well, no, it's I... kind of goofy enough that it could be a dog's name. And this is someone whose name's Charlie. I meet lots of people whose dogs are called Charlie. I think uh, I could see Hamish, especially if it's a West Highland Terrier. Give it a Scottish, you know, like a traditional Scottish name. I would like if he
0: had two dogs and they were called Hamish and Andy or Hamish and Gill. I would be fine with that. But if he has just as one
1: <laughs> and it's called Hamish, I'm not fine with it. Uh, what does he order at the bar? It's a, it's a brand of beer, Coopers. New Stone and Wood Sahi the f- Stone and Wood oh, okay. uh, yeah. the first album he bought um, I've never heard of this thing, that you may have things of Stone and Wood Happy birthday Helen <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what the name of the album is and maybe you can guess the band uh, okay. the album is called The Ride um, L- Lance Armstrong
0: and the Drug Cheats <laughs> <laughs> Catfish and the Bottle Men Oh. So so I had the format right. I actually wasn't yeah. that far away. I'm taking that as a half point.
1: <laughs> What's the first concert he attended? Um, he went to... See, is it an Australian band? Uh, I have no idea. Flume. Catfish and the Bottlemen. <laughs> oh, okay. Favourite holiday destination? Uh, Mexico. Byron Bay. Well, Favourite okay. movie? Oh, this is an interesting um, choice. This is actually... Uh, this is quite a... This is an arthouse film. We uh, wouldn't see this in many uh, footy pocket profiles. It's a uh, Sean Penn arthouse movie. A Sean Penn directed arthouse movie.
0: Um, oh. Based on a
1: famous memoir or a famous book. Uh, oh, Bridget jones Diary. <laughs> into the Wild. What's his favourite band or musician? Catfish and the Bottle Blokes. Parcels. Do you know who that band is? No, and I didn't know who
0: catfish and the bottle brushes were either. So I'm feeling very <laughs> out of date. What's his favourite car? Um, he, his favourite car is a Ford
1: Mustang. No, no, no. <laughs> favourite carb. Oh, carb. Sorry. <laughs> Pasta. Bread. First meal in the off season. And uh, doesn't really qualify as a meal. It's more of a dessert and a shitty one at that. Um, McDonald's soft serve. Oh, yes. Yes.
0: But what flavor? Uh, Caramel McDonald's soft serve. Oreo
1: McFlurry. Oh, yeah, of course. He's a McFlurry guy. Coriander. Yes or no? No. Yes. Tomato sauce in the fridge. Yes or no? Uh, I can't get a beat on this guy. I'm going to say yes. Yes. Who inspires him? His dad. Nice people. (laughs) That's pretty low bar. Are inspired by nice people? I mean, these days it's quite a high bar, to be honest. You used yeah, to have Mitch Robinson on his list, but I had to cross him off this week. What non-football accomplishment are you most proud of? Um, oh, uh, a- well, you know what? He hasn't answered that question. N slash <laughs> A, not applicable. And then the next question, what's your most embarrassing childhood memory? He also has not answered. I think that might be related. <laughs> uh, what's his best childhood memory? And it's just a, an Australian town, country town. Itchuka, um, Daniloquin. Who would you like to swap places with for a day? Is it a sports person? It's a band. Catfish and the boogie woogies. <laughs> Parcels. I don't even know <laughs> who Parcels it. is. Is Parcels a man or a band? Who knows? Um, all right, let's look ahead to the game this week now that we're back okay. to regular schedule and then we will wrap this up. Um, right. So, the first game up is on Friday night. It's the Gold Coast Suns taking on Carlton.
0: Ah, uh, so Oops. Parcels, by the way, are an Australian electro pop five piece formed in Byron Bay in 2014. Now based in Berlin, Germany. So
1: oh. there you go. He's, he's so interesting. He likes Sean Penn art house films, and he listens to Berlin based electro. What something? They've <laughs> collaborated with Daft
0: Punk. They're electro pop, Formed in Byron Bay. His favourite place is Byron Bay. Probably saw Parcels in Byron Bay. It's like great memories. You're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting, you know, he ate some bread, just, you know, had an Oreo <laughs> McFlurry and just had the best night of his life. Who are you picking out of the Suns versus the Blues? Uh, interesting game. The Suns the Suns still look pretty good to me. They're not winning mm, enough, obviously, winning. but but they actually still look pretty good. I'm going to look who knows with the Blues, but I'm going to say, um, yeah,
1: I'm going to say the Suns. I'm going to tip Carlton in this game. On Saturday, your boys, the Western Bulldogs, take on Melbourne at Metricon.
0: Danger, danger game for the Bulldogs, I would have thought. Karma well, truck you are coming underdogs. my way.
1: Are they above you on the ladder? I'd say they are.
0: Yes. I, I think they're in the eight, aren't they, at the moment, or thereabouts, and I'm we're just a joking. little
1: bit further if behind. If they're above you, then I'm going to tip you guys. If they're below you, you'll lose. Um
0: I'm going to yeah, say.
1: Just above you. So, Bulldogs to win.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say. Well, I'm, just, I'm going to say Bulldogs to win as well, but I could see us dropping this one. Port Adelaide versus Hawthorne. I'm going to say Port Adelaide, but um, but just with a tiny bit of trepidation that occasionally this is. Anytime you play Hawthorne, you just think maybe this is the
1: one where they just play one of those out of box games, but I would say Port Adelaide. Yeah, without James Sicily, I would say Port Adelaide. Uh, Essendon take on Richmond. And by the way, I'm reading this off the AFL website. And hey, AFL, enough with the fucking advertising for gambling. It's just fucking annoying and ugly and it really cheapens your brand. Don't need to know what the odds are for each match. We, we see enough of it. Those fucking sports bet ads when you go to AFL.com drive me fucking mental. Cannot stand them. I get angry. They're having the opposite effect. They're making me an anti-gambling campaigner. So knock it off. Didn't realize I was hosting a podcast with Mick Warner. Look at you with your hot anti-AFL takes. <laughs> Bombers versus Richmond. It uh, has to be Richmond. Bombers don't know Richmond. what the fuck's going on. They're, they are very lost. Um, and the last game for Saturday is the Dockers taking on the Sydney Swans. This will be an entertaining clash. It's in WA. Uh, we know that the Swans are over there uh, quarantining. But I, uh, I don't know. I mean, Frio seemed due. They got robbed last week. I'm going to tip the Dockers in this game. Frio have been all right this season. I
0: don't like you know. They, I know they haven't won a lot of games, yeah. but I, I don't think they're, they're... But they're playing the kids. Yeah, I think if you're a Feo fan, there's a lot of good signs. Um, I'm going to say Sydney, though. I feel like Sydney are the sort of club. They've had this traumatic week.
1: They've almost brought down the entire competition. They've got a you know, point to prove. I think Sydney. They've gone so far from that no dickheads policy, haven't they? Like they used to pride themselves on, you know, when they when they did the player recruiting, going out and meeting the players and getting to know them and, and being like, we can straighten this person up no matter what, but that seems to not be the case anymore.
0: Well, maybe there is an amount of dickheads that you have to have over, say, a 20-year period. <laughs> so, like, it's the, like the AFL cap. are like, soft you can... Cap. Yeah, there's a soft dickhead cap. And... <laughs> and I don't want a what, soft dickhead cap. my wife left me. What Sydney made yeah. a Faustian bargain with their soft dickhead cut where they had their no dickheads policy, which means that they have to have all dickheads now.
1: Like, the, the people who are not dickheads are being forced out of the team. Uh, on Sunday, the Crows take on the Cats. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, look, here's what I'll predict. Cats to win, but I think Adelaide will put in a good effort for parts of the game. Yeah, that's the best they could hope for, I would have thought. I think Geelong by a mile. Brisbane take on the Saints uh, in a battle of third versus fifth. Should be match of the round, probably the most closely aligned. Um, very similar teams, I've noticed. Uh, we just kick a bit straighter, but this should be a good game. Good game. I'm going to should be Saints. a ripper, I would have thought. Two
0: very entertaining teams, like should be very close. I just kind of feel like Brisbane are going to bounce back. I'm, I'm all about St Kilda, but I, I just also think that like, people are starting to discount Brisbane. They're starting to yep. just go like, oh, no, Brisbane are falling off. I just don't think that's true. I think Brisbane are still a really good team. Uh, I'm going to say Brisbane. I'm picking,
1: St. Kilda, but I'm picking St. Kilda, but I'm also going to predict that we'll see Chris Fagan uh, coaching from the boundary line. It'll be a close game. He'll be so engrossed in the game, he'll walk towards the boundary line, but trip over one of the uh, ice skis. And, like, as he falls down... <laughs> The back of his pants get caught on the railing where the players sit and he tumbles down the stairs with his pants being ripped open. And you just say, oh, jeez, oh, no, oh, jeez. West Coast, take on GWS uh, on Sunday evening. Now, this is a must win. Well, not must win because the Eagles are very, very good, but they have to look interested, don't they? They have to respond. This is a doesn't matter if they lose this game. They've got nothing to lose. They just have to put in a good showing. It'd be a good one for them to win, but I don't think they will.
0: I think the West Coast will win this and it'll be, you know, another week of bad news for GWS. I think there's still a little bit of bad times before the good times can come back and then there just might not
1: be enough time for the good times to come back for GWS. Uh, And then the last game is probably the hardest to pick. It's the Pies taking on North Melbourne. Now, you'd think after the week that Collingwood have had, their backs could not be closer to the wall. But has the backs against the wall ever been put so directly up against the shinbone of spirit? Because both of these things, I mean, they almost beat Brisbane last week, the Shinboners. They've started like getting rid of Deadwood. They're playing the kids. They're sort of going back to their roots. It's a tantalizing proposition. And I don't quite know which team, which team's motto is more powerful or more apt in this scenario. I mean, Collingwood's backs are pretty close to the wall. And I just think when it, the Shinboner
0: spirit is always there, but it's more of a... It's more of a constant, whereas like, I think one of those, like, backs against the wall is one of those immutable forces of the universe. It's just hard to resist yeah. Collingwood where their backs firmly against the wall. Every
1: action has a reaction. Backs against the wall results yeah. in a victory to Collingwood. So I understand. It's like a, it's a law of the... Exactly. Law it's just one universe. of those immutable okay. rules. Yeah. Uh, I'm picking North. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Collingwood's going to win, but I'm going to pick North and that's my luck of the week <laughs> I have to pick one upset so that's going to be my that's my upset for the week um, all right that's it for this week uh, like we said earlier if you want to uh, check out other podcasts we do you can go to tofop.com we also have a mailing list that you can sign up for and you get um, all the news about the podcast we're doing that week and any upcoming events and announcements uh, Well, who's on philosophy this week?
0: Uh, so on Monday it was uh, Jordan Raskopoulos who is an incredibly interesting person so I highly recommend that one and then uh, on Friday, it'll be Celia Picola, a catch-up episode uh, that I recorded with Celia Picola. And, uh, of course, yeah, we have our other podcast, Tofop, And there'll be, as of next week, a brand new episode of Tofop as well. I recorded it today with Dave
1: Anthony. Awesome. And so that's episode 300 of FOFOP, which will come out next Tuesday. And by the time you are listening to this, there's another uh, brand new episode of Tofop that went up on Wednesday in which we... Uh, get into a deep conversation about our love for Monty Python. So uh, if you're interested in discussions about comedy from two people who seem to have only just realised that they're a good comedy troupe, <laughs> want to check out Fop. Play on, not 15. Ball. We are Two Guys, One car.